is PowerQuest, live from the heart of Brooklyn. PowerQuest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology, with three techno experts, Eric Newman, hi, Chris Grabowski, hello, and Tyler Dinner. hey there. This week's episode, Pete Performance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another Pull Request. My name is Eric Newman, and it's already a late show tonight. So why don't we close the door and say goodbye and see you all next week so we can have a full-length show rather than however many seconds this is. Maybe we got a whole minute. I don't know. What do you think? Well, let's see what Stephen Colbert is doing because it is his show. But see, he has a lot of commercials. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. we don't have any sponsors. Piping up over there, of course, my compatriot of code, Chris Grabowski. Hi. Hi. Returning freshly from a trip out west and a trip for out east to Long Island. Yeah. The Isle of Long. uh, Both ends of the the world that matters. You really have traveled from coast to coast. (laughs) Just like Art Bell. Yep. Anyway, Space Ghost Coast. Oh, there you go. And of course, that's... uh, Who is that? Space Ghost. I think, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, of course, we can't forget the uh, drummer to the show. Of course, Tyler Dinner. Hi. How's it going? Oh, hey. It's going pretty good. Good. You're sitting down for a change. Yeah, you know, I was at the beach earlier, and uh, laying around at the beach can actually make you pretty tired. Yeah, that's why I actually, I was so skeptical. I mean, look, I very much appreciate that you guys are doing a show tonight, but I was very much skeptical given how the uh, afternoon was earlier today that you would actually be able to make it, and you're both actually awake, yeah. which I, I am surprised. Well, I'm on that West Coast time still. You're still on the West Coast time. Well, that's going to hurt you tomorrow morning when you have to get yeah. up to work. Ooh. Ooh, that's right. Ooh. Oh, man. Anyway, nothing happened. Um, so, uh, let's see. So you were out west. Uh, let's ask some uh, inconsequential questions because we're going to talk today about peak performance, which was what your talk was about. You gave a talk at a well, conference. Performance debugging. Performance debugging. Yeah. Okay. Inconsequential questions sounds like a '90s band. Inconsequential <laughs> questions. What we're did politically I say? incorrect. Yes. Anyway, um, no. So what? Uh, so you went? You went out west, and what'd you fly? I uh, flew JetBlue. Of course. The best. Did you get flew the uh, fake wings. first class? I didn't. No. No? No. I didn't uh, feel like spending that extra $10. It's actually 60 bucks. Is it? 60 bucks each way. No See, way. For, for Delta. Yeah. Well, because JetBlue's not a big upgrade. No, it's not. Yeah. But the thing is, I'll tell you this. Because normal ones are like so I think 10 Je- times the price. I think JetBlue's biggest problem, though, Well, it's not real is, first class. It's fake first class. I think JetBlue's biggest problem, though, is the fact that they're technically old planes now. They used to be the newest of the new, and now they've just become dated. I disagree. I went on, when I went to Portland on the way there, I was on a very new plane that had USB and power yeah. outlets in the seats. That's true. Uh, on the way back from Maryland they had about a year ago. They had colored ambient lighting that would change yeah. with the, how, the altitude. The, oh, they uh, give you free ambient in first class? Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Damn nice of them. That is. See, my, my plan was old enough. I'm they sorry. Gave you that sound we heard, of course, came from our wonderful studio audience butting in a little late. How are we going? Doing, everybody? Yes. <laughs> wonderful. See, my plan was so old, they actually gave you quaaludes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Came with the members of the jacket. They've probably smelt like 40-year-old cigarettes. So, <laughs> you flew JetBlue uh, to San... Does San Jose have its own airport? Yeah, it does. SJC. SJC. That sounds like South Jersey City. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you, how was the flight? Was okay? Uh, flight was a pain, but Did, it wasn't bad. What was the pain part? On the way there, it was mostly just that uh, oh. it took a long time. Did uh, you get the, the way well, back? You had to take three trains to get to the airport. 
No, I, uh, I I took a lift like a human being. <clears throat> oh, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars to get to the. To get He's to saying the plane. work was going to subsidize. Work oh, was gonna, not oh, subsidize, okay, that's different then. Okay, yeah, that's work was paying for it. Why would I? Well, because I like the anxiety attack of sitting on the J train, wondering if its delay is going to be, and I'm going to miss my flight. <laughs> oh my god, come on! Just ten more stops until we miss Jamaica. Why is it taking five minutes to go around this S curve? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the one that 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 curve, by the way, that does yeah. take five minutes to go around. That's part of the oldest parts of the subway built in like the late eighteen, uh, eight, late nineteenth century. I'm well, serious. they're not going to update the J train until somebody dies. I, People have died; they still haven't updated it. I missed the flight because of the bus, only because is that to Laguardia? Yeah, to Laguardia. That's, don't go to Laguardia. Don't take the bus. I to Laguardia, LaGuardia but it took. It took so long to get to my terminal. We showed up at Terminal A at the right time, and by the time we got to Terminal D, my flight was gone. Wow! Yeah, I have never knock on wood. I've never missed a flight. Neither have even I. Uh, even the I just have had a lot of anxiety attacks. Is either I sit on a stall J train or I wait at the by, uh, the very basement of Broadway Junction for an A train that never arrives to Far Rockaway. You also are a chubbo with timing. But yet, I've never missed a flight. I've missed actually. I'm sorry. I, missed, I only missed one flight, and it wasn't my fault. I was flying back from Atlanta, and their you know Hartsfield Jackson most traveled airport in America has one security line open. Open. <laughs> so, that's very sweet. So that's how I missed my flight because you had everybody in the entire world going through one security line, and then of course I opted out. Oh, you know what surprised me? I was allowed hot sauce through. You know why? Because it was under four ounces. Yes. But only, well, that's why. only by the label. The actual thing was uh, well over it. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Sneaking it in. Yeah. Pull one over on the TSA. Yeah. Now they're going to listen to this and they're going to sue you. <laughs> no. So you got to San Jose. How? Where'd you stay? I stayed at the San Jose Marriott. Which why uh, not uh, an Airbnb? Uh, Your company that's not artisanal. What are you doing? It's so mainstream. Yeah. You're going to Silicon Valley. Like well, you this should is be where staying they have all the Airbnb. Speakers. All the speakers were in the same hotel. Ah, uh, where did they put the microphones? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you need a. T- <laughs> yeah, I'll work on that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, only the speakers. So that does that mean? Does it, is there anybody else from your work that that talked at the talk at the yeah at the conference? Our uh, VP of Engineering, VP of Architecture, and our Infrastructure Lead. So you guys had like a whole segment, <laughs> and then you got a piece of that, or how no? Was that? It was more so we all got our talks accepted, and we all spoke at different times. Ah, so this was Velocity Conference. Yep. And what was the theme? What was the purpose of this conference? So this year's themes were distributed systems and uh, observability. Observability. Yes. Could you elaborate on that? That's just the idea of being able to see into your system and knowing what's going on. Well, I have a clear panel on the side of my computer. So I, I have think binoculars at home. There you go. <laughs> so I think I think we got it covered, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Uh, <laughs> why go to this conference, Christian? You could have just asked us for help. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was speaking at it. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you get like any any special? Did you get to go into the green room and talk to other all the other ass perjury devs that were talking there? They, they had a speakers lounge, and I did get to chat. Uh, there were there a... cigars? No. Why not? There was free sushi. Yeah. Vaping? No. No. They got to give you something swanky outside of sushi. Good alcohol. Was that free? Yeah. Because you were a speaker? Yep. Ah. Ooh. Otherwise, that might have been pretty expensive, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I've only been to one conference like that, and that was and that was back when I was in college. But it was subsidized by the university, so it's pretty cool. Nice. And yes, that's why I fell in love with my typeface Verlag and all of that. Anyway, ah. another story. Um, that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, um, your talk, 
uh, Velocity Conference, San Jose, about observation, and what was the other one? Observability. And Obser- distributed systems. Too. Distributed systems and observability. Yeah, and so- then at the end, did they tie the two together about how to observe your distributed systems? Or? Well, that was kind of like my, my talk was in uh, tie-in of the two. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so were you towards the end? I was. I was third to last session of the conference. How? It was, it was the whole week? Uh, so they had the speakers show up uh, for the whole week, but... Uh, the talks were only Wednesday, Thursday. Two days. Yeah. And then what did you do the other time, drink? So, pretty much. Uh, well, I mean, no, yeah, I, 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 I prepped for my talk personally. When in Rome. I, I unfortunately had to uh, speak on the last day. But, uh, and you're a procrastinator, so it wasn't ready until basically you had to go on? No, I did some rewording last minute, but that was about it. Okay. Yeah. And did, what did you use to uh, type the script in? What script? I mean, for your talk. Oh, no, I went off the cuff. You just talked off the cuff? Well, I had slides, but yeah. Oh, you had slides. Yeah. And what were the slides done in? Uh, that PowerPoint? Was, no, Keynote? Um, Google, Google slides. slides. Yes. Wow. They're really killing Microsoft Office. Yep. Good for them. Okay. Um, how was the food? Well, you got, you got free sushi. Yeah. Uh, so everything was paid for either by work or the conference. Okay. That was nice. So what did you eat? And, uh, so did you eat there or did you have to go out to restaurants? I, I did a little bit of both. I say have to because I'm su- sure there were great restaurants. The sushi was at the hotel. but uh, Ooh, the, um, I wouldn't eat hotel sushi. Well, then, technically it was at the Especially con- a Marriott hotel It was hotel in the sushi. convention center. But... You okay, Tyler? Yeah, just getting a phone call making sure my friend's all right. Who is it? My brother. Oh, you want to you wanna say hi? Plug him in. Can I plug him in? Actually, let's not do no. that. It's too, it's too late. <laughs> but oh uh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. You're actually getting I'm up. Make, I'm just gonna make sure everything's good. Okay. Well, we'll keep this going. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, the uh, best food I had was uh, uh, so IBM, Oracle, and my company. We sponsored the uh, first day after party. Nice. And, and that was on what day? That was on Wednesday. Oh, oh, first day after party. I yeah, so this it. was the first like. Well, what time? Day. What time does the conference end? Like five. Uh, so we were done maybe by six. Okay, pretty good. And then after party until like ten, you pass yeah. out at the hotel. Yeah, yeah exactly. How uh, we had the uh, after party at the San Pedro Markets, which was pretty awesome. Okay, I haven't been to San Jose. I've only been to San Francisco. It's a uh, so it's a lot like uh, you ever go to any of those like uh, city kitchen type things here in uh, New York? Nope. Uh, think of it like a uh, always there smorgasbord. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just like a buffet. Well, multiple f- food places just in under one roof. Like a food court? Yeah, but then they try to be more high-end, artisanal. Like the new place in downtown Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, Ooh, they have azuki, box, yep. dough... Uh, Gabriella's Taqueria. Anyway. Yeah. So. Amazing pulled pork sandwiches, by the way. At City Kitchen? No, at the uh, uh, San Pedro Markets. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, cool. And lodging, airfare. Uh, sounds like Tyler went to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talked about the beginnings of your talk. And um, you meet anybody? Yeah, I uh, got to meet a lot of really cool experts in the field. Uh, a few of them attended my talk, so it was kind of cool. That's got to be very gratifying. It was super intimidating during the talk. Because they were looking at you? Yeah. They and were, you could see their facial they expressions? They were all in the front row. Were... No, uh, they all seemed uh, pretty uh, uh, positive expressions, but I was always I was worried that one of them would get up in the middle of it and be like, You, sir, are wrong. Good day, sir. 
Yeah, leave. if but, you have that many, uh, you know, because like uh, I had a Go expert there, I had two of the Kubernetes creators there, I had this guy who's been giving performance debugging talks since I was in diapers there, and now you're one of them. Hopefully, how much younger are you than a lot of them? Uh, so fifteen say, years. Average age of the speakers were in their forties. So, so about, right. about yeah, yeah. But uh, like uh, our infrastructure leads thirty, so you know it wasn't like yeah all the speakers I'm were that much older. Your infrastructure lead. Oh. Oh, my apologies. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Tyler. How uh, is Mike, Mikey okay? Thanks, so. I didn't get a hold of him. You didn't get a hold of him? No. You just went to the bathroom instead? Yeah. Okay. The walls are pretty thin. That's why I live alone. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, there's a lot. Of, let's see. I actually have an, as I have to yell as I go away from my microphone, figure out how much time we've taken up. Uh, 15 minutes so far. So, um... Why don't we? Well, we'll get back to your talk in a minute. All right. Let's dive into the show. Uh, let me ask you guys about this, uh, since I'm not a gamer. Battlefield V, Battlefield Five, uh, just came out, and it is very um, female centric. I guess the, it's, it includes women, and apparently some people don't like that. I don't. I, since I'm not a gamer, I don't have any vested interest in this. It, what, what's the deal? I mean, I don't personally care. I, I enjoy the Battlefield games. I think they're good games. But is this supposed to be like a World War II game? That no, I think uh, this is going to be like a bit more modern. Uh, what they, is Battlefield? Battlefield is a first-person shooter. Well, I got uh, that. But it's like, what's ge- the... generally got a little bit more uh, like a um, time period lands- landscape. So they've done multiple. Like uh, the, their uh, last one prior to this was a World War One uh, uh, version, which I really enjoyed. I believe this is about World War Two, and is it? they're including women in the game. About... I thought it, I thought this was supposed to be like more modern time. No, I'm pretty sure because the the, uh, uh, the battlefield like numerical progressions are all supposed to be like like as if it were taking apart taking uh, occurring nope. today. Battlefield Five returns to World War Two this October. Interesting. Huh. Yes, and because it's in World War Two. There were no female soldiers, perhaps? There were nurses. There were many. Well, that's... And that was there their... Spies. And that was their rebuttal, was there were many women who were involved in World War II, and maybe they didn't fight on the front lines, but they were still very much involved in the effort, and we want to pay homage to them by including them in this game, which is honestly something that I find very admirable, given the fact that it's not just a bunch of uh, asexual guys who play computer games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we may, perhaps there are girls who would want to play this game, and they would like to choose a character that represents them. Yeah, that seems fair to me. Yeah, no I would have a problem with Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, and those triangle. Never mind. Well, uh, here, <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Well, we can we can put that one. I think it's also because uh, who makes Battlefield? Um, there is the, they're owned by EA ultimately. There was I can't remember one of my friends when I was uh, I talked uh, what is it he's in Portland and when when I went out there he talked to me about one of these games and I, it might be EA I can't remember but one of these gaming studios really goes uh, they really bend over backwards to be historically accurate and it might be it might be this game so if there's women in it then generally women this existed. one has been super historically yeah accurate. so I, I you know the fact that they include women whatever you're masturbating too much um, okay. Here's something really terrible. You can embed Clippy on your website. I saw a command line version of Clippy today. Command line Clippy. So is it an ASCII? Yes. I kind of want to see that. I almost rather ASCII Clippy than Clippy for my website. It looks like you're trying to click a link. Shall we click this link for you? Yes, that's why I clicked it. 
<laughs> it looks like you're trying to compile your code. You have these several syntax errors. <laughs> yes. Oh, here we go. James Gill, CEO of GoSquared, uh, replied to this. Here, one of the makers here. It's a rare product that changes the world. Most products launched get used for a few years, if the makers are lucky, and then get replaced by something better, cheaper, or totally different. Clippy is a product that changed the way we interact with business software. It was the time. It was the first time a digital assistant helped us to get our jobs our jobs done faster. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> what about Dave in Space Odyssey? That's a good question there. Exactly, providing helpful. That was in the '60s. Providing helpful, friendly prompts as you're as you're working on important written documents in Microsoft Word. Whatever. We hope you enjoy getting to know Clippy again. Nobody actually liked Clippy. Microsoft rules. Yeah, Microsoft rules. Now, actually, you know what the funniest thing is? The first comment is, "How is it better than this other Clippy JavaScript library?" <laughs> I'm serious. It's Clippy.js. This website wins because they did something that I used to do back in the day, which is they made their website look exactly like Microsoft Word. This is beautiful. I mean, it doesn't look too great, but it actually looks like a micro. The the website looks like Word. They did a great job with Clippy on it from Office 2000. This looks like, and yeah, you can have the Clippy, the Merlin, Rover, and Lynx. I love Lynx. You can see which one of them was dropped from Office 2000 because he's still in 2D. And that one was from Office 97. Anyway, I miss... Microsoft was cool in the late 90s, I would say. Yeah, dude, you're getting a Dell. <laughs> so I found uh, the Clippy I'm thinking of. It's called Party-Clippy on GitHub. So there's an, yet another Clippy library. And this particular one, it's a server that you can curl and get uh, Clippy. Do they have fast As an Clippies? API? What do you, what do you yeah, use? It's what Clippy do you post as, to it? Clippy as a service. And what do you post to it, though? Uh, you just curl on the get. You don't post. No, okay, but what do you? What, do you, what are the parameters that you send in the get request? You just get. Get what? How do you? How does it know what response to give you? It. I don't know, man. Well, you're <laughs> saying Clippy is a service. Services take in input. Well, here I'll show you the no, example. We're spending Clippy too much time. This is the Clippy care. body. <laughs> Can you customize Clippy? I would like him with a sombrero. And no, but you could be the wizard. We could have the wizard or the dog or the cat. You'd have to fo- you'd have to fork the uh, librarian. That's and true. Add the sombrero. Um, okay, moving on. This is not an Apple attack, but it's actually an Apple tip. Uh, where is that? Just the tip. Just the Apple tip. Apple tip. Uh, you can use your iPhone as a as a wireless microphone on your Macintosh. That's kind of cool. If you go into the audio devices uh, control panel. Which I don't know where that is. I guess that what was that? Uh, it used to be called like audio MIDI setup, but I think in later versions this looks like High Sierra. You can just you go there, and if your iPhone is close by, it'll show up and it'll say enable, and then you could listen into your microphone, much like the government does. Huh? Nice. They've already they're just they're just kind of leveraging their existing wireless microphone <laughs> yeah. capability that they've already been using to send your shit to the NSA. Excuse me, send your stuff to the NSA. They'll just yeah, they'll just fork their stream that they're already listening to you on. Fork their stream also is something that happens after sex. That was a wrong sound effect to use. What? I'm sorry. Th- that kind of works. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. It's a bathroom joke. So I already okay. went to the bathroom. Anyway, um, have you? You just went on the plane. Went on a plane. I took yes. a trip a month ago. I'm actually taking a trip in a few weeks ago to uh, a place that's much worse, much worse than any other place I've been to this year. Florida. Yeah, we'll oh, talk about that later. Dances. But would you fly on a plane without windows? But instead of windows, had screens that projected what it looked like outside via fiber optic cameras. Why? Because then you don't have to build glass windows into the body of the plane. 
So it actually makes the development of the plane a lot easier. Oh. Yeah, I can go with that. How about you, Tyler? God, that sounds stupid and terrifying. Stupid and terrifying. What's terrifying about it? Wait, so it, they're, they're going to play a video of what's going on outside? Yeah, it's a live, It's basically a live stream of what's going on outside the plane. So picture like you have a screen, and then outside there's like a few fiber optic cameras on some mount on the body, and then that gets streamed to all of the windows. It still sounds claustrophobic to me. I mean, if they make the whole uh, hall just those screens, that'd be kind of cool. Well, it looks like they're trying it out in private jets right now. Um, uh, in the future, you could find yourself booking an Emirates flight without a real window seat. The airline has just unveiled a new first-class suite on board, its latest aircraft that features virtual windows. That's right. You could pay through the nose to not even have windows on your windows seat first class. I bet, though, that the windows run Linux. Anyway. Well, I guess I'll see those windows when I finally get that tick money. There you go. The president of Emirates, Tim Clark, not to be confused with the president of Apple, Tim Cook, is hoping that it will pave the way for removing all windows from future planes, which which will make them lighter... And faster. Take that. Lighter. And faster. Yet another way of worsening your experience to save more money that you won't get to see. I mean, I don't know how it's going to get lighter when the window is an absence of stuff. Because you have to... The glass is pretty heavy. They have to use, like, the dual-pane double glass insulated. Mm. And it's a lot to install windows. It's a lot to, it was a lot to install windows <laughs> in this apartment. Stop, and this window isn't try- even airtight. Stop Imagine trying to, that. Stop trying to set yourself up for puns. Every time you say that, I'm like, all right, when's the pun coming? When's the pun no, coming? No, I'm just serious. So um, <laughs> the thing is, is that if Microsoft pushes an update... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I crack myself up too much. Anyway, um, by the way, another another crappy thing that they're gonna that they're already doing uh, with air travel. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, I did book a flight recently. I'm going to Florida. And when you go, I go to flights.google.com. Now there's an added amenity, amenity checkbox that allows you to use the overhead bin. That's right. That is now a value add when you travel. Wow. Really? How, how bad is that? That's they were like, bad. oh, you think you can get away with not checking your luggage? Well, guess again. We're I, still going to screw you. I know they've been really pressuring people lately. Like uh, on my flight back, they're like, we need 20 people to check their overhead luggage. But when they do that, it's for free at least. Yeah, that's true. And that's the whole thing that people are avoiding. Nobody, I don't think many people would mind checking their overhead luggage if they didn't have to pay for it. I, I, I still mind. I, I don't trust well, the airline. If you fly enough. Southwest, they give you your first bag for free. I, still, I, I don't still, like Southwest. Yeah, no. I, I don't feel like falling out of the sky. No. <laughs> that doesn't happen. They've been if losing does, engines if it in does, midair. If it does happen, just remember, they're the fun airplane. You'll have a great time falling to your death. Anyway. I've never had fun on Southwest. They have like a dog-eat-dog way of getting your seat. Yes, they do. Anyway. Uh, did I show you this incredible portrait of this, I guess, British woman made entirely out of CSS? Some people spend way too much time on CSS. Yeah. <laughs> well... Talk about remember when we said last week CSS is so overpowered? This is one of those. And you can see how they're inspecting the whole Dom tree to see the parts of the face and all this stuff. It's actually pretty cool, uh, except if you look at it in anything other than the newest web browsers. I tried looking at it on the web browser on my Macintosh, for example. On my <laughs> Macintosh Performer, which I recently moved into our podcast studio. And when it finally loaded, it was a blank page. <laughs> So I guess the, the real question here's an, here here's an idea of what it looks like in other browsers. By the way, you can see the bottom right where it basically looks like a Piet Mondrian painting is uh, Internet Explorer. What's nice. a Piet Mondrian painting? 
That's more than the three painters I know. So I gotta wonder though, did they do this with like a preprocessor or like some kind of like uh, thing that like his paintings it looks like a comic book. You're thinking of Liechtenstein. It kind of looks like a cubism too, though. That might be, but uh, oh, it looks like a, Ru- a Rubik's cube. You're right. But uh, was this done with like a language that then like uh, outputted CSS though, or was this like might have just been some artisanal CSS? Honestly, Christ. <laughs> No, Christ didn't even know CSS. CSS. Okay, how did, how did Smith do this? Well, as she explains in designer. response to Bayo's original tweet, HTML allows you to create rectangles. <laughs> and then a cascading style sheet, or CSS, allows you to modify those rectangles. Wow, that's all that it is. It's, it's also what Christian I do for write a that? <laughs> See, I would have been way more impressed if it was like, oh, I used a certain language and then it outputted CSS for I, I know. Every element was typed by hand, drawing with only a text editor and Chrome Tab Tools. And I have ultimate respect for this because uh, as someone who spent 10 years doing freelance web design, when people always ask, what do I use to make my website to go like this? Show them my hands. Because that's all that it is. I mean, this just sounds like they're more patient than skilled. Well, it's, it's both. It's like building a boat out of wood that you're shaving yourself. If you use a Mach 5, that'll go pretty I'd, fast. I'd be more impressed if it was, there was like write the code, which is kind of like writing a, uh, creating a robot to build the boat for you. I would hope that, they, that she at least used SAS, but I don't think so. There you go. She was not sassy. SVG use is limited. Oh, come on. Oh, she used SVG? That doesn't count. It doesn't count. All shapes and only hand-plotted coordinates and Bezier curves without the aid of any graphics editor. Ah! Hand-typed SVG? Huh? Yeah, maybe. maybe. It's arduous. Anyway. Why don't we... We're just uh, trying to verify that she spent way too much time on it. Yeah. Yeah. Was she at your conference? No. 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 There was a front-end conference going on concurrently, and then they had the same after party. That's because of the... uh, (laughs) And Christian and everyone was spending most of their off time making fun of that conference. But that's okay, because there was a a reduced entry price (laughs) He's nodding his head. Oh, you blew my joke. admit it to the mic. What I said that's okay because there was a reduced entry type uh, re- ah a reduced entry price for tops. Uh, for the- <laughs> so are you seeing all bottoms do front end? No, you do back end. I do. Right. This is too rife with it makes puns. you a bottom. Does it? Because you back end. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. If I was the, the back top, end. would be the, the front end. <laughs> Anyway, why don't we go run a red light and jump into some local news with our New York Minute, where we take a look at your five bucks. First up, styrofoam containers will soon be banned in the city starting next year. That's okay, we'll just replace it with plastic that will still end up in the Pacific Ocean. So Long Island banned plastic bags, like, months ago. I don't know how many people have got sick after that. So that's a good question. Long Island, as far as I'm aware, has no homeless people, but... (laughs) Oh, that's because New York City's homeless people move to Long Island, they get houses. (laughs) On the South Shore, though. North Shore. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, uh, it is uh, quite the uh, inconvenience, though, but... uh, Yeah, so I'm surprised New York hadn't done that. uh, Well, I mean, it's got to think about every bodega in the city that can't use... The city runs on plastic bags. Styrofoam container only impacts every um, Chinese uh, restaurant. No, I'm sure Chinese does paper. Yeah, it's only hello cards. Yeah. Indian places? Yeah. Indian yeah. places, yeah. Um, anyway. What do you think, Tyler? 
You eat a lot of food out of containers. Do you feel offended by this? Uh, he died her I guess the meals. biggest deal for me is I won't be able to buy a styrofoam cooler anymore. Oh. Those were fun. I think you still could. This is only for food containers and restaurants. Well, I'm putting food in the cooler. Ah, well, Big Bird's office announced this week the city styrofoam ban will be officially, would officially go into effect at the start of 2019. However, the Styrofoam Corporation is now suing the city of New York because we're illegally using their trademark. The proper word for this is what, Christian? Container? Polystyrene. Ah. I found that out in chemistry class, actually, when I was in high school, and they had a, they had the registered trademark symbol next to Styrofoam. I was like, this is a brand name? <laughs> I guess it's a, it's the Kleenex effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Polystyrene. Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. The ban follows a measure passed by the city council in 2013. Okay. Moving on. Uber must be really wreaking havoc on this city because this is the sixth taxi driver in recent months that has taken his own life. After 30 years behind the wheel of a New York yellow cab, this taxi driver, who really does look sad, minus the play button and overlaid on his face, uh, has take his killed himself. 59-year-old Ab- Abdul Saleh is the sixth taxi driver to kill himself in recent months. He was found dead in his rented room on Kings Highway in Brooklyn. Damn, so Uber is causing trouble. There the isn't even is real. Yeah, there isn't even enough to make a living. Well, How are you going order... to pay the mortgage, said taxi driver Alex Morisot? I thought in order to uh, be an Uber Lyft, what, what have you, driver in New York, you still have to have a taxi driver's license. Yeah, you don't need the medallion. Yeah, so... The medallion is everything. Yeah, medal- the medallion costs a fortune, though, so I don't know why you wouldn't just Because I think more... that I think the medallion you know, like, itself... Why, why, like, if you can't beat him, join him. No, because I think that the medallion itself puts you perpetually in debt. Oh, that's true, though. So, yeah. like, because it's like... It's basically like you start a job with a bail bond. <laughs> yeah. And then your medallion is like 500 grand. More than that. Really? Yeah. What? It's like, okay, so it's like over a million? To drive a I cab? think it's like at least 700 grand. Oh, okay. To drive a cab? No, this is the medallion. This is a whole made-up thing that basically just to be a part of the club, you have to pay in to get. Yeah, to leave... You no, know, but all the cabs have to have them. Yeah. So to be a, to drive a yellow cab, you'll see that it's a little. It is a medallion. It's, it's it's like stapled on some odd part of the cab. It's like buying into a union. If your union was the most crooked union of them all, well, they are in Queens. Seven hundred so. grand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on average. So you start. So think about this. You start a new job. You need money. You you're an, you're an immigrant. A lot of these are immigrants. You start a new job. You need money. You're immediately seven hundred thousand dollars in debt. That's I'm insane. only a hundred thousand dollars in way, debt. So the way the medallion usually works is you get a, uh, multiple people come together and buy, buy the medallion together. And they split the shift, so they're not even making a lot of money. Which and then right now, Uber, you don't need the medallion. You might need the taxi driver's license, but that's regulation. So, uh, yeah, Maybe in New York, you do. Wow. But I will say in San Jose, no, I'm saying, like, you uh, can just be anybody, and it, it was kind of nice. Didn't you want to use Lyft? I thought Lyft was I, better I used out west. Lyft. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, it was just some uh, dude who uh, he had he a, some dude in the car. I know he he had, he was the founder of his own startup, so he's trying to fund it by driving. Lyft. <laughs> did I he also do a podcast? I, what did he also do a podcast? I would guess so. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, I've seen at least that much of Silicon Valley. Yeah, where he, like he, people he, randomly that you meet in, in or around Silicon Valley would be like, "So, uh, I have this. I'm running this startup," and they're like a dry cleaner or something like that. He did have that. Uh, the, the so I've got my own startup. And uh, what it was was like a uh, TaskRabbit type thing. Okay. Like a TaskRabbit competitor. Well, what, I mean, why would I use that instead of TaskRabbit? I don't know. Great. All right. 
Moving on. Actual rabbits. Uh, I took. Uh, there <laughs> there are actual rabbits doing your menial tasks. <laughs> there you go. Um, I took. It was a really nice day outside yesterday, and my girlfriend and I took a really long walk. Twelve miles, three boroughs, three islands. Uh, and I got to do what I love doing in this city, which is peeing on bridges. I got to pee on a new bridge, which is the Triborough Bridge. We walked from here in Bushwick to Astoria to over the Triborough Bridge onto Randall's Island, over, through Randall's Island, on the other leg of the Triborough Bridge into Harlem, and then stumbled onto the train. And that was about 12 miles. Nice. And what we saw were a lot of buses with ads for Museum of Sex right on the front. Oh, yeah, they're all over right now. So guess what? The city, actually, the MTA is promising to remove the Museum of Sex ads because they are everywhere, and it turns, it makes you think that the drivers, I'm not kidding, when you read the sign and they look at them and they're winking at them, kissing at them, you know, like, what are you, are you, why are you doing that to me? It's turning the bus drivers into accused perverts. So, yeah. Wow. The sign is just below where a foot, uh, just a foot below where the drivers sit and they are not amused. The city is too sexy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. We talked last week about um, that admissions test to get into the specially the smart kid high schools in New York. And uh, Big, Blur, Big Bird de Blasio wants to get rid of the test because I, it's something about his uh, son. That's why I found out the real reason. It was because like his son got bullied or something like that. Or, he was, or his son was made fun of in one of these hoity-toity high schools. And then they were like, well, we need to let more kid people of color in. The only, and they're disenfranchised because of this test, so let's get rid of the That's test. That's not why they're making fun of him. They're making fun of him because he's de Blasio's son. No. You're not, you're not so getting Eric um, it. Eric says nothing. they should not have tests for special education. No. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is this. De Blasio's son goes to a hoity-toity high school in the city. Yeah. He gets bullied probably because his dad's a douchebag. And his dad doesn't realize that. Insert yeah. the meme of, of Principal Skinner going, am I out of touch or is it just the kids? So, so de Blasio thinks that his son is only being made fun of because his son is mixed. Yeah. So, so he thinks, oh, it's these tests that are preventing more people of color from getting into these hoity-toity schools. So that will prevent my son from getting bullied. When in fact, it's just because his... Dad is a word that we can't say on the show. Yeah, it's like those South Park episodes where the kids don't even realize that race was an issue the whole time. Like, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the flag and the and the hate crime. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, uh, when's this protest? Because this I'd protest like was yesterday. Oh, and I uh, it. more than a hundred. It was actually on Facebook Live. More than a hundred protesters descended on City Hall. Oh, it was on Friday. Rabble, uh, rabble, rabble. Yeah. And most of, but the protesters, most of them Asian. Are they I would have been involved in this protest if I knew. I would have honestly. What are yeah. they protesting? We told, we just told you the test. The Blasio wants to get rid of the test. They want to keep the test. Oh, and hundred Asians protested. More than hundred protesters, most of them were Asian. So yes, the uh, said the proposed changes would penalize kids and parents who are preparing them for the past several years for the admissions exam only system. And I was one of those kids when I was go. I'm not That's Asian. That's not even why there should be a protest, though. The, the, the reason why there should be a protest is because these schools are prestigious for a reason. The yes, because reason they limit prestigious... the admission so they can yeah. provide a qu- certain quality. Stupid of education. kids shouldn't be allowed to go into good schools. Period. I understand that, but the idea is they're, say- they're saying that this entrance exam is a racial, a racial issue. Much like, remember, there was a teacher's exam a few months ago that was ridiculed as being racist, and they wanted to drop that exam to allow anybody to become a teacher. Rather because so many people of color were failing it, and they think it's a racial issue. When it's, it, it, it might be, but 
I don't think getting rid of the test is the right answer. Maybe you offer free tutoring classes to these people. Yeah. You have to help yeah, them out. Yeah, there's other ways to even out the playing you know, field. So you don't have, th yeah. This is like an argument like, oh, text too hard, you should make it easier so right. it's more inclusive. No, you need no. more opportunities to elevate right. You better educate these people so that they're not idiots. Yeah, the hiring process is the same issue. Well, it's mostly it's like, like a... Same with like... It's a similar process with, I, with Google. And they were saying that, you know, you don't have enough diversity in your hiring process. Like, well, how do you how do you want us to find candidates that are qualified that are not of, yeah. of the similar diversity that we have? Because it's hard to find. Like, what do we have to do? Do we have to go recruit at, like, you know, more specific well, ethnic universities and stuff like that? Like, colleges. yeah, how do you... How do you fix that? Well, the problem that's... is, though, they aren't well-educated. A part of it is because of their, their families might not have the finances to go to these schools that educate you better. And the fact that just location-wise, location-wise, a lot of the, the worst schools happen to be also the schools in bad areas. It's social unquote, circles, areas. too. Their friends aren't yeah. coding and they're learning yeah. these things. And, and at, the no. other, at the other places, those want, kids are doing that all day If long. you want kids to be able to get into these hoity-toity schools or get, get a good job, Educate them better at these schools. Like instead of Which being like, oh, the, prob the problem is the good stuff is too good. Let's make it worse. Try to make the worse stuff better. Yes, but making that that's actually a lot harder and a lot less. Uh, oh no, powerful. politician would have to do work. Yeah. Honestly, you oh, want to be really no. smart. Round up a bunch of your super smart kids and homeschool them together. Put them in public sports so they have friends. Don't make them deal with public high school. Well. That's I never true. do. Well if you're in so sports. freaking smart, go educate them yourselves. What do you need the school for? Uh, I, was no. sport, I feel like, yeah, yeah. Homeschool, uh, homeschool plus sports. What should work is it? The homeschool uh, like, sports. No, the, the, I, don't, the, I don't do sports. I'm sorry. I know, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're a little fairy, all right? You know, if you, if you played some football in high school, I don't know how many times you would no. have had to tell you your balls would have dropped by now. All I'm gonna say is like when I or like me playing sports, that taught me how to have like a tougher skin because we all gave each other crap, and you know it was like uh, we. We literally beat up on each other every day for. Uh, I know you told me how you used to beat off with all your friends. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of these hoity-toity schools, um, I didn't even get a laugh from you guys. That's really sad. Um, <clears throat> there's a giant. It, there's actually the same type of this test going on right now in China. Speaking of Asian kids, and the, these. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, that, that wasn't actually not offensive. It's just <laughs> it's a good segue. Uh, and so this, here's no, an you're clean. <laughs> here's an here's an article about how China is trying to bust exam high tech exam cheats because they actually have the highest che a rate of cheating on these tests that of course put you on a path for life. So this reminds me of something interesting. I thought cheating was an American institution. Well, they, you know, the, the Chinese so, love to copy. They copied cheating, and now they're doing it better than us. I learned that finesse is a word for stealing now and maybe <laughs> cheating, and it's so a it's lot really of these countries uh, overseas. What do you uh, mean? This these is countries. This is a um, uh, just uh, all what of you like mean uh, you the people. A, no, I mean, I mean the, the Eurasia continent, uh, countries within the Eurasia continent, and uh, so there was a talk at the conference that I went to uh, from a competitor of mine actually, and their whole thing was observing uh, when internet goes down in an entire region of the world. And they were able to correlate it to nationwide tests in a lot of countries that they would what do disable. You mean tests? Uh, so, like uh, the Iranian version of the uh, SATs. Oh, they, those tests! They disable the internet for the entire country. That's funny. During that uh, time, the test is given. Well, what? this is—I mean, that makes that makes yeah. sense. 
they don't want kids uh, going to the internet and finding answers so they uh, or communicating with each other over the internet so they just uh, BGP down their entire country. And well, they just me... assume that their citizens are that much better at technology that they are, that their their kids are going to not only cheat the test, but also hack the entire government system? Well, no, they just... The, you can't once, just once flip it, it off in the no. town or like no, they, in the building? No, they cut it off the entire country. Yeah, that's insane. That sounds... Except for the government. I'm sure the government has a... Well, these are countries where the only ISPs are tied to the government. Oh, okay. So. Well, this year in... Uh, yeah, there's a South Park reference coming. This year in Inner Mongolia, Chinese authorities will use a, vein re- a finger vein recognition system instead of the traditional method of fingerprint verification in order to confirm that the test takers are who they say they are. This method of biometric authentication is even harder to fool than fingerprint recognition and will help ferret out any potential sub- substitute test takers, including identical twins. Goddamn Mongolians. There we go. Uh, Identical twins do have the same fingerprints, though? I thought that was false. Well, I don't know. know. Um, Meanwhile, in central China's Hubei province, I'm sure that's not how you say it, police will inspect all property around school areas. They will take a specially closed look at short-term rental spaces where someone receiving test questions via a wireless device could ostensibly send back answers to a test taker. Um, Other commonly deployed devices include... Facial and fingerprint recognition, metal detectors, detectors that can find wireless earphones, vehicles and drones that block signals around the school, location monitors that determine the whereabouts of test papers, not test takers. In five years, it's just going to be give you a stick and a knife and send you off into the wild. Hope you come back. Well, here's here are a few ways that, that this people... This is why these countries are quote-unquote winning. Come back yeah, with seriously. fire. Here's, here are uh, <laughs> four of the most no- notorious grade. cases of of cheating on these tests number one these are not ranked so i'm not going to do a backwards list number Aww. one fake fingerprints that's that's some students that's were expelled from their universities and the high school stuff. students were 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 suspended from taking any major national exam for three years number two electronic erasers with air quotes an eraser containing a signal transmitter helped 27 people get the right answers on a pharmacist licensing exam in china's eastern yangzhou province well, that's in 2017. god that's the one exam that's kind of terrifying inside a rubber case that resembled an eraser an integrated circuit allowed the team t- the exam takers to send questions to people outside the test rooms and receive answers what more I, I am I, I am genuinely curious what that contraption looks like it looks like a pencil eraser like, uh, police later detained 10 people and seized more than 100, elect- 100 electronic devices designed for cheating. Number three, wiretap tank tops. More than 40 Giggity. people were found to have worn tank tops wired to mobile phones during a national engineering exam in, C- in Sichuan. Sichuan? Yeah. Sichuan. Sichuan well, it's, chicken, it's, dude. You know, it's spelled S-I-C-H-U-A-N. Sichuan dipping sauce. Right. Like from McDonald's. You know, a lot of Chinese words are spelled in multiple ways. Yeah, so it's not spelled the American way from 60 years ago. Anyway, the test takers used a pen with a micro camera to send the questions to partners outside the test rooms. They received answers by listening in on a teleconference via micro earphones. And number four, high-tech wallets. A man attempted to cheat on the written part of a driving test in Shenzhen in 2016 by using a micro camera attached to his arm to send questions to the coach. This This is the driving theory test. The coach had been promised a payment of 550 U.S. dollars for sending answers to the man through a transmitter in the man's wallet. When the man realized he had left his wallet behind after the test, he returned to fetch it. But the anxiety he displays raised suspicion, and they looked in the wallet, and of course they found the stuff. Man, that guy really wanted to drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't make the joke. 
None of us were thinking that until you said that. That's right. That's right, Tyler. I blew it. You blew it. You're blowing. I didn't make any bathroom jokes today, though. Yeah, you did. I, my bathroom joke was a literal bathroom joke. But you made other bathroom jokes. They were about bathrooms. No. Okay. Well, after our local news, of course, it's time for the usually the most depressing part of the show, Christian's GitHub Issues of the Week. And it sounds like the iPad is clipping. The first GitHub issue of the week comes to, our, uh, comes to us from our favorite JavaScript library, React. Really like Vue's solution for CSS. How about a similar one like this for React? Well, we know that React is currently has been on a mission to ruin CSS, CSS since they started. So, first of all, what a troll. <laughs> Make this more like Vue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, and the contributor is I like view at github.com. No. Um, Fate Riddle? Okay. Uh, so what, what is this? Go on. Uh, this seems to be like uh, just trying to cause a little uh, JavaScript war going on here about CSS. Well, I mean, view isn't really on the map that much. Yeah, it is. It is on like the very new it's startups. It's huge in China because they don't have React. I don't know uh... how true that is, but... Because of no Facebook. Well, so is Alibaba, but you don't well, go on don't that website. Well, they don't have any React docs, but as long as they have GitHub, they have Facebook. That's what they. That, that's the biggest implementation, to my understanding, though. It's mass over there because it's it's what they use instead. It's okay. Like well, they don't have huh. Google. That's why they have Alibaba. Anyway. No, no actually, there's a lot of uh, Chinese Go engineers. I don't think you can get to Google.com in China. You can, you can but they the, filter no, searches. You know what? Okay. Anyway. Um, so they want to add... Well, the thing is, is that... Have you heard of uh, styled components? No. And I don't believe that... Oh, I think that styled JSX are already achieved what you're thinking of. Let's click a look. Take a look at that. Uh, React has these things. We actually just learned about them uh, last week. Uh, called styled components. That are higher order React components that basically allow you to write styling in very awful JavaScript syntax. But it does work. And that's the direction that React is heading when it come when it comes to um Yeah, actually, it looks like this. Oh actually no, it doesn't look like that. Sorry. Hmm. It does use the backticks and the interpolation uh th- the thing in ES six to handle that syntax, but it is awful. Hmm. I don't like it. But I that's what I said when we started using React in twenty fifteen. So one day <laughs> I'll grow up, I'll get over it, and yeah. So why hmm. don't we why don't we move on? I think I actually contributed the most for this one. Finally. Yeah. I, yeah, good job. I did a GitHub issue. Viewers. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. You're a gold star. Let's move. No, you say that every week, Tyler. I don't want any right. gold stars. You it's to the wants He wants rainbows and pickles. Thank you. <laughs> They're trying to figure out how they work together. <laughs> wow. How how'd you not put that one together yet? <laughs> is it like a Rick Pickle oh, Rick come, reference? Oh come on, don't make me do it. Rainbows and pickles. Come on. I don't get it. My mind didn't even go there until Say after it. I said it. What what's rainbow represent? A, a sunny day. Don't make me say it. Go a sunny on. day. Next on. <laughs> Is it, is it a, is that a euphemism? The gay community and pickles. Oh, together. come on, Tyler. That wasn't even funny. What? I if you're going to make jokes funny. like that, you got to try. Christian made the joke. Now My I mind didn't make the joke. My mind didn't go there until after I That's said it. That's what I thought you meant. He no, just came up with two random things that I like. Except that the, the gay community really have hijacked rainbows. <laughs> they really have. It they really have. You can't, you, the Apple logo used to be a rainbow. 
Yeah. And yeah. now, and you know, no. well, well, you for can't. Pride, Pride Month, MongoDB's logo has been rainbow. Well, a lot of companies are, stri- are trying to monetize Pride as a... I don't think that's right. It's not. But, it, but anyway, let's... That's uh, not morally let, right, but it is on, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to our next GitHub issue of the week. Our next GitHub issue of the week comes to us from Balt DB, or just Balt. Uh, I actually pulled up the repo, not the issue. Yeah, you don't like to, you looked at the issue. Well, there's no issue here, well, uh, other than the uh, repo has been archived. Oh, that is an issue. This repository has been archived by the owner. It is now read only. What is Bolt? Smiley. So Bolt is an embedded key value store for Golang. Yet another key value store. Y a k b s. This one is uh, based off of uh, LMDB, which is a C uh, thing, and this was supposed to be like a pure Go implementation. And then it went off and did its own thing other than LMDB. The thing that sucks here, though, is that uh, there are a lot of projects that depend on it. They're like, hey, this thing is complete, so it's perfectly fine. It's just, we're not making any changes to it, so it's going to exist. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you can always run into a bug. But uh, So they're like, well, CoreOS forked it if you really need that. Gotcha. So what do we do? If so we were, oh, right, so if we were using Bolt, we could use right. Core OS's fork, which is called what? B-Bolt. B-Bolt. Very good. Okay. Is that it? Yep. Moving on. Our next GitHub issue of the week comes to us from Google. It's their Gvisor project. I have config flag A makes the run SC containers crash directly. You can't do I have config in a container? In this particular runtime. Why not? That's a very standard so, command. Gvisor is a container runtime in itself. Is, there, is that where, that's their answer to Docker? No, this is kind of coincide. You can use this with Docker. Okay. And so the big thing here, though, is in order to get something lighter than a VM but heavier than a container when it comes to isolation, they wrote this, which d- does a kernel emulation. How performant is that? Uh, less performant than a container. Why would you use this, then? Uh, just to... Oh, because the container doesn't have its own kernel, does it? Yeah, so this provides a kernel, but kernel, it's an abstraction layer. Is it like some kind of, what kind of kernel is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be a POSIX compliant kernel. So just like a nano kernel, something super small? Yeah, it's designed for, you're running a single process in the, each container, and it uh, basically, uh, the way it's implemented, you can't have one container interact with another container no matter what, even on the kernel level. Huh. So if you, what happens if you need to have these containers talk to each other? Then you'd have to do it over, like, networking. Well, I guess that's how it works anyway, right? Well, you can do some nasty kernel stuff, or you could... <laughs> nasty kernel stuff, yeah. Or you can set not. the IPC namespace to the, uh, each, each other. Gotcha. So how do we... What's the fix for this? Uh, so it turns out it's uh, an uh, issue with their uh, set sock op uh, syscall. And they just need to revise the abstractions. That way it is deterministic, because right now it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, is that it? Yep. Well, let's move on to our last GitHub issue of the week. Our last GitHub issue of the week also comes to us from Google with Benchmark. Can we benchmark C code using Google Benchmark? I said Benchmark five times. <laughs> yes. Uh, so can we? Uh, so technically, yes. What type of benchmarking data does Google Benchmark do? It does micro benchmarks. So this is like run this one particular area of code a lot of times. Okay. And so uh, they have this built into Go actually. So you can actually say like, I have this one function. I want to see what the, how it performs a million times. 
Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. And so you can do this with C++ with this. And technically, you can do it with C. You have to use an extern C block, though. What does extern mean? That means in C++ code, you're about to call uh, pure C. Oh, but can you use it with other languages? Uh, as long as you provide, like, a bridge. Like, this is technically providing a bridge to C. You could implement a bridge to really any language with this. Huh. Yep. Is that new? Or has that just always been there since they well, made C++? It's technically anything that runs the same instructions that can run together. Gotcha. You just have to figure out a way how to make it do so. Okay. So uh, so the answer is yes. You just use X turn C, and yep. then you write your C stuff. Yep. Wow. Cool. It's not namespaced either, so you can just call increment from your C++ function. Well, C code isn't namespaced. Oh, at yeah, all. C, okay. C, C, uh, oh, yeah, it's just C. What am I yeah. thinking? Okay. Um, all right. Well... Uh, after our GitHub issues, it's always time for Tyler's Plus Ones! Our pull request Plus Ones are where we send out well wishes and acknowledgments of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first Plus One this week, Tyler? Well, the one is Robot. Robot? Take it away. So, uh, while I was in San Jose, they had a lot of robots all over town. Oh yeah, were they like the 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 uh, awesome L robots or whatever? Yeah, they were all coming up with Adam Sandler movie ideas. Oh, there you go. Yeah. No, uh, they had one that would do like um, room service. They had one that would show you to your flight. They had. Well, uh, I don't. I, why don't you just look at the signs in the airport? I don't get the showing you to your flight. How much guidance do you really need? Because like, you know, if you don't want to have to angle your neck up further, you can just have the robot take you there. Oh sure. What do they do? Hold your hand? Yeah. Really. They also have a human face on it that'll follow you around the room. Its yeah. eyes will follow you. What happened? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> okay. Did San Jose's uh, red light district have any other types of robots? I don't know if there is a red light district in San Jose. Oh, it's probably a blue light district because of all of the technology. Anyway. <laughs> there was a rainbow district, but it only lasted a quarter of a block. Ah, okay. <laughs> there was like three bars and that was it. Ah, all right. Um, Max plus one. Next plus one goes to... I can't hear you. What happened Hello, hello. There you go. Next plus one goes to Algolia. Algolia? Algolia is a search site, a uh, search indexing service. Well, yeah, search is a service. Can they, you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Search is a service. Uh, really cool situation. I, I started using them for uh, work the whole uh, last week. Really enjoyed them. Easy to learn. Search as Very a service. Very powerful. Easy isn't, uh, to customize. They're a customer of my employers. What well, isn't there another company that does search as a service? What am I thinking? Oh, Google. No, th- like this is like you can embed the search bar in, in your website. You can you, do that with Google. You can export uh, your data to them, and so way that search could run over your. Uh, so basically, it's like instead of having to manage an entire Elasticsearch cluster, you can use Google. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty smart. There's there's a couple other like old school uh, search indexing things that kind of do raw searches. Uh, Orion but um, not Google. Other other search indexing as gotcha. a service sites. Uh, gotcha. I forget their names. I also know that they have a pretty cool networking setup, so they're they're pretty fast. So what do you use uh, Algolia for? Uh, all the search stuff. So recommending things. Uh, just just searching through everything. I mean, we we e-commerce, so um, you know you're, you're talking about uh, an index of, of tens of thousands of items. So to be able to search through all those things, if you're looking for a red shirt. Yeah. It's a lot of different things to look for. Cool. Yep. Next plus Get, one goes to? Uh, goes to Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the, the library, Christian? Titus. Titus. Christopher Titus, Titus was open source. No, Titus Andronicus. There was that show called Titus with Christopher Titus. 
We do remember. That's pretty good. Netflix could have actually bought the rights to that show, and this platform would have said the same. Anyway. Well, what is Titus? I'm sorry? Yeah, and Christian, go into it. Container orchestration uh, software, like Kubernetes. Why use Titus? Uh, this is just what uh, Netflix found uh, better suited. and Why do they like that instead of Cube? Uh, I don't know, really. I am curious to see if it has uh, BSD support, because on the uh, Netflix's uh, video streaming servers and their whole Edge network is all BSD. Well, uh-huh. their Linux at their core data center is doing all the data stuff. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. Well, that's it. That's it. And that's been our Plus Ones. Okay. Well. All right, all right, all right. Good. You need a new catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on with our wheelhouse of segments, it's time for my Apple Attack, where we take a nice little post on Apple. First up, a new class action lawsuit has been filed against Apple this week because their Apple Watch is a piece of crap. Poop emoji. <laughs> That's right. Poop, insert poop emoji. Um, the screen can crack, shutter, or detach from the body of the watch through no fault of the wearer. The proposed class action is all current and former owners of all Apple Watch models, sizes, and variants. Wow. The complaint filed in the Northern California District Court alleges that Apple has sold millions of watches with the defect throughout the United States and either knew or should have known about these display issues. Apple is said to have, quote, actively concealed and failed to disclose the defect to customers. The complaint adds that Apple's internal policy to deny the existence of the defect, claim the defect is the result of accidental damage caused by the customers, and then refuse to honor the limited warranty on those grounds, causes the lawsuit to happen. A legal representative for Apple commented, you got nothing on us. <laughs> but we'll see what they find. <laughs> yes. Uh, moving on. Uh, looks like there's a really big hole in third-party macOS security tools. They're, they're vulnerable to malware code signing bypasses. Hackers have had an easy way to get certain malware past signature checks in third-party security tools since macOS Leopard in 2007. Uh, researchers discovered that these hackers could essentially trick the security tools designed to sniff out suspiciously signed software into thinking, that the ma- into thinking the malware was officially signed by Apple while they, in fact, hid malicious software. Now, by the way, there is a way to turn off this check, which I actually just did because the uh, quarantining system in macOS did not like my copy of Logic. I won't say why. <coughs> anyway. Because it's, uh... No. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, what, uh, moving on, Apple's products are generally in a sorry state. There's this website, MacRumors.com, uh, my favorite Apple website. MacRumors has a buyer's guide that will show you all of Apple's products and how long it's been since they've been updated and whether they think you should buy them. Guess what? All of them say don't buy. Why? It's recommended you set these on fire. I mean, yes. <laughs> Here is the last time any of these products were updated. And when they, when they were updated, they were not major updates. iMac Pro, which is Apple's supposedly new crown jewel, 182 days ago. The iMac, 374 days ago. MacBook, 374 days ago. The MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro also at the same time, 374. The Mac Pro, the garbage can, 436. The Mac Mini, good number, 1337. <laughs> they abandoned the Apple Cinema display. They abandoned the time capsule. So they abandoned the capsule. Airport Express. They abandoned Shake, and they abandoned Aperture, which were both two really good programs. 
with time capsule the software or time capsule the, the storage device. device? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Because you can still use like a NAS unit and do like yeah, time capsule software. Yeah, but software. it's supposed to integrate with Time Machine, and it's supposed to be. And you're time Machine. To be, that's what Time Capsule right. is the hardware. Time and you're supposed to use that with your Airport, which doesn't exist anymore, on your Apple Cinema Display, which also doesn't exist anymore, on a Mac Pro that they haven't updated in over a year. That doesn't sound like no. fun to work yeah. on at all. But so you know what it does sound like? A nice Apple attack. These days, with the price of like uh, the build it yourself stuff, I'd say just build your own like storage stuff for time capsule. Yes, for that. I'd I, even say I do your own say, router if you're technically I, savvy. I have to say though, let's. Uh, I would not recommend building a Hackintosh to people after <laughs> after the last two weeks. I mean, I always I have a saying: you always trade money for BS. And I really paid for the difference in not having a real Macintosh these last two weeks. I finally upgraded. I fought, well, first I had uh, two fans in the computer. The front fan wasn't working. The rear fan started to make a noise until I hit it a bunch of times. So I, I fixed all that. So, what? I have uh, I haven't touched my desktop in years, and somehow it's outlived yours. What do you mean? This is from 2015. Mine's like from 20. See, I dropped out of college. Right anyway, after. so the so, thing yeah. is, is that I added two new fans and then uh, had to re-cable manage my whole system, which was a giant pain in the ass because back when I got the computer, I just plugged everything in and turned it on. And three years on, I realized how big of a mistake that was. But now we have beautiful cable management and airflow and two additional new fans that don't add any sound to the, to the computer when it runs. Let's be honest, we're still both jealous of Tyler's case. I do like Tyler's yeah. case, but he doesn't have an optical drive. That's true. Well, ha- how, where, where are you even going to find an optical drive these in days? In my computer right here. Yeah. And I actually have, you can see that spindle of DVDs and CDs. I have Why do too, I have an optical but... drive? Because I have a 25-year-old computer right over there. I also have a USB floppy drive. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yes. And I have, cool. I have, a, I have a, a box of floppies in one of those drawers. Anyway. Yes. Um, why don't we... I'm going to hinge this off of the... Uh, the bottom ah hinge this off of the bottom of the apple attack uh remember that segment that we tried a couple times person of consequence this week's person of consequence michael spindler recently died recently deceased he was the ceo of apple from 1993 to 96 that's who it was what? That's who it was. Yes. Having joined Apple in 1980 after Mark, uh, Mike Markula, I thought it was Mark Markula, brought, the, uh, brought him over to help with a- Apple's European office, he rose through the ranks in Apple's European operations as the president of Apple Europe, and then president of Apple International, and was chosen to take over as CEO when John Scully was ousted in 1993. Spindler was responsible for transitioning to the power PC from the Motorola, Motorola 68K, creating the Newton and the Copeland operating system. Copeland, of course, became Mac OS 8, I believe. Yes, Mac, yes. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool cat. Yes. Uh, Spindler was known as Diesel due to his operational management inside Apple. <laughs> that makes me wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, okay. Um... Moving on, I don't think Teresa May did anything this week. Let's take a look at our uh, exploit of the week. It's about NASA, and this article says NASA is basically trying to get hacked. See, fly. I don't get it. Uh, you need to see the Wilsey X South Park. 
<laughs> well, um, let me take you. What can I use for this? What's a good? Uh... You got anything spacey? Spacey. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> no. I've got... Uh, oh, I know what I've got. Of course. I've got our favorite song. No. Um, we could do... In 1999, a 15-year-old who called himself Comrade with a zero hacked his way into NASA's computers and stole $1.7 million worth of software that controlled the ISS. That kid's name... Ferris Bueller. There you go. That's about 10 years too late. Uh, 15 years too late. For his misdeeds, the teen was sentenced to months in jail and was ordered to write a letter to the head of NASA saying he was sorry, as well as a similar letter to the Secretary of Defense, because he also hacked the Pentagon. Uh, so, the, the, the what is it? A couple of reports have been issued about NASA's Securities and Operations Center, the SOC, which is based in Ames, Iowa, and is meant to serve as NASA's cybersecurity nerve center. However, after its 10 years of existence, they haven't given their SOC much to do, and they haven't even developed the necessary tools to hand handle the cybersecurity threats that they were supposed to be doing as the whole reason for why they exist. Uh, the second report, by the way, talks about the security of NASA's supply chain and inadvertently points out the inherent, inherent weaknesses of Cheeto Jesus's vision for our space program, which involves basically turning NASA into a company that buys and sells goods within the market of space. However, NASA does not vet, thoroughly vet the technology that they buy. They found that NASA does not consistently coordinate with the FBI in its review process. In addition, contrary to best practices with the agency's supply chain risk management, do not require testing of IT and communications products to determine their authenticity and vulnerability to cyber espionage or sabotage prior to their acquisition and deployment. Moreover, agency policy excludes specific IT systems and flight hardware, such as equipment operated on the ISS, from risk assessment requirements. In other words, NASA is trying to get hacked. Oh, man. Best of luck to them. You guys can do it. I believe in you. Yeah. What do you think, Christian? Uh, just trying some stuff here to see if it's true. You, you can do that off the show, and then we can talk about that next time. Oh, I was kind of hoping to use your IP address. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love having legal trouble. Um... <laughs> Why don't we take... Yes. Why don't we take a quick break? Say, friends, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-barrel compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Simply go to www.whereamida.nyc and enable location services on your mobile device to find your neighborhood borrowing three closest subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. Okay. You know what? We've hit 11 o'clock. When you usually do these podcasts, I think I'm gonna. Th I think I'm gonna have a drink. All right, all right, old. So why? why <laughs> I'm gonna go get one. Do you want one, Tyler? Uh, I'm okay. Okay. Why don't you guys do your usual talk without me? All right. Oh man. So California. Yeah. California. Uh, <laughs> and California. How are the airports? Where did you fly out of JFK? I did fly out of JFK. 
Do they still not have draft beers in their terminal? They did have a bar. I don't know if they had any on tap. See, that was the problem. Is they they put it all into bottles last time I was there, and I was very very irritated at I that. Think, yeah, I think they were all in bottles, if I recall. I went with a whiskey though. Either way, I mean that's a good call, but yeah. it's just something about the really nice big frosty beer that I'm so used to. You know, what was my favorite uh, airport for that hmm. uh, when I was in uh, I was flying through Canada. It was the Vancouver airport had a full like restaurant and bar that I got to sit down at and just enjoy some really good craft beer. All of Canada's beer seems to be craft beer or Molson. <laughs> and uh, there's some of that. <laughs> and uh, it was like good food and just got to enjoy a few beers before my flight to Victoria. Nice. Yeah, yeah they uh, they know how to do it up there. They do. Good. Yeah. Uh, good comfort food. Drinking food and uh, facilities, if you will. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, conference, cool people? Yeah, uh, a lot of big names in the industry were there. A lot of them sitting right in my, uh, the front row of my talk. Oh, man, some of the highlights of the things that you got to hear or people that you got to meet? See, uh, so Fastly CEO gave a talk on binary level isolation, which I thought was fascinating. Huh. What is binary level isolation? So within your code, like, uh, so from a binary standpoint, the way libraries work are like as archives or shared objects. Mm -hmm. And for plugins, they're always shared objects. And the idea is you can, uh, uh, through WebAssembly has this built in and the idea is trying to pull this into x86-64. And uh, basically, you can load a shared object, but it can't access an, uh, any of the rest of the process. It just has this uh, certain block of memory that it gets, and that's all it can get. It can't like jump outside and be like, hey, I want to know what this other library in the same process is doing. It's just like, you're a plugin. I'm running you as like some like uh, – huh. like some... in Fastly's case, it's like we're trying to uh, r let users define code that then runs on their, their servers. Sounds like a closure almost. In a way, yes, like a closure that can't have access to anything outside of itself. Cool. Would be a good, a good analogy, I guess. <clears throat> hey! Classy. Thank you. Classy! Eric's back. Thank you. Um, you guys were actually talking about some cool stuff. Yeah. I wanted to let you go. All right, well, <clears throat> so we were talking about... Uh, oh, I took that off! I used to have that on the on the jingle, on the jingle box. The... <laughs> What? Oh. California, super cool to the homeless. <laughs> I think honestly, I think Oregon is cooler to the homeless than California. There were a lot of homeless people, though, uh, proportional to the population. Like, uh, like population portion wise, it was way more than New York. Huh? That's because Giuliani shipped them all over there. Yeah. Three bus tickets, here you go. And I love this song. Alright. Um, I was thinking of the other one. Was it this one? No, here we go. No. There we go. Okay. Um, so you went to California? Yep. Tell us about your talk. So my talk was on performance debugging, specifically in distributed systems. We mentioned that. Why don't we dig it, dive into... Uh, what, what is... What what is the scope of your talk? So I went through two uh, case studies uh, of uh, a work of mine where I was trying to find bottlenecks in certain uh, systems I've uh, either written or maintained. 
Gotcha. And uh, so the first case was our metrics aggregation pipeline. So this was a uh, uh, we had all, all of our uh, edge services producing uh, query metrics, and those went right back to our core data center. Service question was the one responsible for aggregating all these uh, metrics before writing to our time series database. Uh huh. You know, we have this. Uh, I'm gonna stop this. Something happened. Yep. And it's not my uh, fader isn't 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 doing anything anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Anyway, why don't you keep talking? I'm gonna I'm gonna listen and try to fix this. Sure. Uh, so uh, with that, the idea was that there was a memory leak. And I had to try to identify what that memory leak was. So the talk kind of went through the various steps I, di- I took to identify said memory leak. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, so when you say memory leak, in what? Just like a service? Yeah, in uh, the memory aggregation service. Oh my god! What happened? Uh, you did flick that uh, switch a little too hard earlier. And now it doesn't want to... Wow. And now, and now it doesn't want to listen to me at all. I mean, it says write. It says write for automation. It is recording. This thing is just not... It is on volume. Did I... Is it this? Did you break the motor? I broke it. You broke the motor. Tyler, I I broke the mixer. Wow. How'd you break it? It's not doing anything! What happened? Did I like? Yeah, you hit it pretty hard. I hit. I did, and I know, and I, this changed. But I mean, do these other ones? Well, the other ones don't work either. Did you try turning it off again and on again? Oh, oh, that, oh boy, no! I'm not gonna do that. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, it's good because we actually did all of the stuff <laughs> that requires music before this. So this is Sweet. true. Anyway, we just don't have any any bed for the. Uh... See, it's not it's not going down. What happened? Now it's going back up. What happened? Well, not try bringing it down. No, see, it's gonna it's on touch. Ah. I'm sorry. Oh well. Oh well. Mm. Oh well. Aww. At least it still works. It is true. All right. So you have you have two case studies. One was a memory leak. Yep. And and the other one was uh, increasingly slow response times. And what? It, and that wasn't because of the memory leak. No, these were separate cases. Okay. So why don't you yeah. tell us about the first one, the memory leak? So in the memory leak case, it would be for each metric that was being received from the edge. It, uh, there uh-huh. would be uh, a certain measure of uh, memory that would increase and it would not ever be garbage collected huh yeah this was in a service that went from python to go and we were uh just uh receive uh so it was receiving about maybe fifty thousand metrics per process uh, a second jesus christ well it's for every query on our entire platform wow how do you even parse through all that uh, you used to have, uh, so it was one process per server. We had five servers and each one would get five, uh, four cores, a thread to a core, and then NGO routines per, uh, per thread. Okay. And how long did that take? 
How, I mean, how much, like, this, that computer has to have steam coming out of it if it's parsing that much. Right or no? Well, in the Python version, we run 50 instances of the Python process. <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it actually went, it was really fast. The only problem was this memory issue. Ah. Yeah, we, uh, so it'd be... Uh, yeah, how much memory did it need? Like 64 gigs of RAM? Uh, so that's how much memory was on the servers. And yeah, look at it, that. Uh, it would uh, get to the point where it had to be ohm killed. Wow. And, uh, so, you got ohmed at 64 gigs. Yeah. So uh, there was clearly a leak. It was never letting go of these. And so, Why was that? Uh, well, so it was important to... So the whole part, uh, the focus of this talk is it's more important to identify the why right. than the how to fix it. So this is something... This is a real-world problem that you had. Yes. That you have to fix. This isn't like some experiment that you dreamed up. No, as this a was a real-world uh, thing that I ran into. Okay. And, and how did you find out this was happening? So first thing I did was I, I put on operational metrics on the process. So I could see this is how many messages I'm receiving. This is how many metrics uh, a single message is being expanded to on average. And then from there, I also see this is how often I'm flushing. This is how many metrics I'm flushing. Uh-huh. And uh, I'd also be Usually able to see things like here, here's, here is the current memory usage. Here's the current CPU, blah, blah, all those things. And from there, I also went and profiled the code for memory. And this would be, uh, you start started out using Go's built-in profiler to see this is when I'm making allocations. And then those get all combined into a flame graph to see this is a particular line of code. That oh, what, a flame for. graph? Yeah. What's that? So it's this uh, form of graph created by Brendan Gregg, who uh, is now at Netflix as their uh, performance architect. And um, so... A flame graph is a way of visualizing uh, certain profiles. There's, uh, there's a CPU one, a, uh, a memory one, a Java-specific one, I don't remember, and then there's I.O. Okay. And so the wider the square, the more of that resource that it's using. And the taller the uh, the stack is, that just means the further down the stack trace that is. Huh. Do you have an image of one of those flame graphs available? I probably can pull one up. Flame graph. Uh oh, wow! This looks like one of those mountain ranges out west. Pretty much with all the, the all the analogy. CPU tones, the different colors of rock. So if oh, you wow. have what I have open, yeah, uh, that's a CPU flame graph. For so a... what are the? I mean, the colors don't look like they're in a sort a kind of progression. So the colors have nothing to do with anything with each other. Why are they different shades of red? So that just means how many of a particular sample there are. So when they're green, there's very few, and then the, the, they t slowly well, turn to red? No, uh, it depends on what uh, resource. The green, so like, the take a look at this. This CPU so flame graph is mostly green, then the red that's is like the That's the Java top. one. I have no idea what, that, uh, what any of those points Star JVM. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea how, how to read the Java ones. But uh, So in the one that's on the GitHub repo, that's a CPU one. The red ones, I mean, there's more occurrences of it. But uh, Orange equals kernel. Huh. In on the, In this graph that you said you didn't know how to read. Uh, that could be for orange that equals one. kernel, red equals root. I mean, I'm sure you can define the colors in any sort of yeah, in the script all, that you use to it run. It all the... depends, but like, uh, so uh, historically though, there's that green and blue combination is for memory. The autumn colors are for CPU, and the multicolor one I think is like full system or JVM. I don't remember. Hmm. I like this one. Looks like a cathedral. Yeah, that's uh, either JVM or full system. So these are these are very popular in the Java world. Mostly because Brendan Gregg created them and he is at Netflix and prior to that Solaris. Well, Sun, Sun Microsystems, then Oracle. Gotcha. Did Microsoft used to own Java? No. What? Microsoft used to be very um, 
big in Java in the late nineties. They were pretty down on Java. They wanted you to use .NET. They did, and Visual C. Yeah, plus plus. Why I want I asked because I watched this uh, Apple keynote recently with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. It was the Apple keynote where he announced uh, in ninety seven. Um, hmm. Right when he was coming back, Microsoft's $150 million investment. And he, and this is one of the reasons why he's such a brilliant speaker. Because he started off, the slide said, meaningful partnerships and like this scripty text. And he's like, in order to get Apple back on track, we need to maintain, a, we need to create a few meaningful partnerships. The first one is with whatever company. And then and he's like, and then... Um, <clears throat> We also, and he did like a clear his throat. He's like, and uh, our our last meaningful relationship is with a company that uh, many of you have strong feelings about. And then the Microsoft logo comes up, and that's when he has like Bill Gates come in on satellite talking about how they invested uh, hundred million, hundred fifty million, and it's just the image of Bill Gates on this giant projection screen as Big Brother looking down onto the Apple crew. It's like that commercial that like the Macintosh commercial from nineteen eighty four, except in real life. <laughs> So, it's funny. Yeah. So the thing is, is that uh, they were talking about Microsoft's dedication to Java and Microsoft's dedication to Java on the Apple, on the Macintosh platform. And that's why and I was wondering, like, Microsoft and Java, that doesn't sound right. But in, in 1997, yeah. Java was, A, very new. Mm-hmm. And B, does that just mean, like, I don't know. Were people who were writing Java in 97, were they using Windows or were they on their own, like, Spark terminals? Uh, so they could be on, like, a VAX terminal even. But, uh... I think so. Solaris was definitely the biggest. Uh, sorry, uh, Sun OS was the original big. You run Java on this OS, okay? And then uh, the fact that it was cross-platform, you could run it on Windows, you could run it on OS X, but or Mac, whatever, whatever the operating system was back then. This is Mac OS. Uh, and um, so, uh, I guess ninety-seven Linux was around, but it just wasn't that popular. And well, then, uh, and back in ninety-seven, I mean, you pretty much had to if you wanted graphic terminal, you'd have to. I if think, you uh, wanted Katie Eater on, you'd have to say a couple prayers. <laughs> I think uh, Solaris, uh, that might have been in the R&D phase back then. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, moving on. We're taking away from your talk. So you have. So we're in the first scenario where you have something that is taking progressively longer to respond. So that was the second part. That was the second part. So, I, I mean, there were still parts to the uh, uh, first case that I went through, like uh, right. uh, micro-benchmarking certain functions to see that whether a change was beneficial or not. And uh, then I was like, well, ultimately, this was never exactly solved, aside from getting out the uh, aggregation uh, data structure into a new one. But the reason why it's not... In, uh, so this process wasn't in production. In large part, uh, it was extremely difficult to recreate uh, uh, production traffic. And had mm-hmm. I been able to, uh, uh, you know, hindsight 2020... Uh, I would uh, have actually copied uh, the, the so the solution we ultimately found, but we found maybe too late, was through our message queue being able to copy production traffic into our testing environment. Right, because how else would you be able to simulate something like that without so, doing your tests on production? We were able to write load test scripts that were able to get to the rate, but then there was like a diversity of data that sure. also impacted things because then. Like each metric could be uh, can be unpacked into like twenty or even thousands of metrics. But you were still recording all of that, so it allowed you to be able to recreate that data stream. Basically, once we were copying actual production data instead of trying to generate it. Ah, and how long did you try to generate it before you tried to cop? Before you just went to copy it? Months. So you, this this problem took you <laughs> yeah. the better part of a year then. Oh not, no, not I'd say uh, probably spanned four months in total. Wow, is that like every day for four months or? Yeah, <sighs> that's uh. 
That's that's not that that can't be. Fun. It was cool, a cool problem to solve though, and I also started. That's also what got me into eBPF, which was really cool. eBPF is extended Berkeley packet filter. Okay, what makes it extended? So instead of being thirty-two bit a thirty-two bit VM, it's a sixty-four bit VM mm. in the kernel. Which allows you as to well, go through all of your data. As well as instead of just being a packet filter, it also is expanded to being able to attach to uh, cr- uh, kernel probes and user probes, as well as uh, just arbitrary trace points. Okay. Um, so how many times did you have to iterate before you eventually found the solution? Countless. <laughs> Countless. I mean, it did take months. Yeah, it, it, there, there is way too many. Uh, so it's just a loop of you, like, trying something, benchmarking it, testing it. It didn't work. Okay, let's try something else. Benchmark this. That really sucks yeah. for performance. Try something uh, else. And it just I like think that. ultimately the biggest cause here was this was a full rewrite that we just dropped in production thinking it would work. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So this was originally a Python service that we ported over to Go. And we're like, oh, hey, we followed a lot of the same behavior. We just managed to make it uh, scale a lot more easily. This thing should just totally work. And it's like, oh, this has got a lot of different behavior, it turns out. Gotcha. Well, that's unsettling. Yep. Especially once you find out in production. Yep. So just like, just like that tweet that's like, well, if, you're, if, you, if, if your cup of, your morning cup of coffee isn't doing enough to wake you up, try deleting a production database. <laughs> <laughs> I did that within my first week. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um... Okay, so that was the so that was the, that was the first issue. That was the first one. The second issue was our public REST API. Uh, we had a known influx of records, so our our production database basically quadrupled, and we knew this would happen. And we were starting to see much longer response times to the point where they would even time out. Like we're seeing like sometimes ten second responses. And what would and when you would look at the logs, the logs wouldn't say anything. Funky? No, we'd have to dive in a little more. So operational metrics, we wanted to see how often databases were being queried and what so, uh, particular what, collections. Okay, okay, so let's talk about the types of operational metrics that you use. Sure. So on all of our services, we follow the same pattern where it's like uh, counts, averages, sums, and they're all just sampled on this HTTP endpoint that listens on a Unix socket. Okay. Do you create that? I know that for our hosting project, we, you created that graph, those series of graphs. Yep. In real time, is that what you use for to monitor this? Yep. What was that called? So Telegraph, Telegraph. Which we, we use, uh, right. and uh, we also use that at my company to pull the metrics. We just store it in a much larger database, though. We store. Oh, yeah, you need a very big database. Uh, we store it in an uh, Elk cluster these days. In an Elk cluster? Yes. Elk stands for Elasticsearch. Uh, Elasticsearch, Logstash, and Kibana. And sorry? Kibana. Kibana. Yeah. I thought it was Kubernetes. No. No. Kibana. What's that? Uh, it's a visualization uh, service ah. for uh, Elk. Okay, cool. So you have your operational metrics, uh, and you have all your different types of graphs, and you have something that is taking progressively longer to respond, and you can see it on your graphs that your stuff is taking longer to respond. And what do you, what do you where do you start? So uh, I started well first wanting to know uh, just mean uh, response times. So that was kind of like uh, from at the point that the request hits nginx. Are you and this is to, this is your whole API. This isn't a yeah. specific service on the API. Uh, we were just generally seeing a lot of slowed down response times across just everything, just about everything. So uh, all reads, interestingly, our writes were totally fine. Just uh, anytime you're doing a get on certain things. So does that make you think that it's something very low low level that corresponds to the whole system rather than a specific API implementation? Well, so. Well, we went through to uh, debug this. It was first the operational metrics to see mean uh, response times. We dove in, and then we started doing distributed tracing to see from Nginx to see the API service. We're spending uh, n, n milliseconds. 
from a particular block in the code to another block in the code, we're spending n milliseconds. To Mongo, we're spending n milliseconds. And to our time series database, we're spending n milliseconds. Now, is this is this something where you have the same request that that same request happening across different users, but that same request takes progressively longer to return? So uh, we had a few things for that. We had uh, in Mongo, we had uh, what was called the Mongo slow query log, where What's uh, that? Uh, queries over a certain amount of time were just logged out. Aren't you guys like too big to be using Mongo? Yes. Okay. Well, then why <laughs> why are you you don't want to use SQL? No, we do. Uh, it's just the time to migrate it over from the proto. We're still on the prototype database here. This was okay. for, this was to get us up and running within weeks uh, gotcha. that our CEO wrote, uh, and it's just been there because it's going to take time to migrate to. Uh, well, we're ultimately choosing Postgres. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you, Postgres is good. Um, all right, so you have your you have your uh, was it distributed tracing? Yep, and. It find what, what do you don't doesn't that doesn't that mean you have to basically prune through every request? No, uh, so we built our own distributed tracing software in Go. Uh, no, this uh, Python Python for this case. Uh, and so the way it worked was it would uh, just be using Python in this context, uh, essentially building a uh, reverse closure. Uh, a reverse closure. So yeah, an so uh, kind of like uh, you use a with statement, and that's kind of saying I want to wrap this uh, code in another function instead of saying I want to pass this function into another function. Huh. And wrap this code in another function isn't that like creating a higher order component in React? React. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. So uh, we would use that, and then we uh, just kind of do like a stopwatch effect of saying like, okay, this uh, span took this much time until I fit finished. But then you have to test this for a variety of, I mean, your whole data set, which is huge. Huge. No H. No, we didn't do the whole data set. We just uh, were able to look through the Mongo's low queries logs and our operational metrics. We were allowed to see, okay, these are the routes in question. Let's just... Uh, How many routes were there? Routes were there? Uh, maybe like a uh, six or seven. Did they all correspond to a specific service or was it uh, just so across the board? Were, uh they were talking all to either Mongo or a time series database, and okay. they were all reads. So, oh, okay, so it was a database read issue, basically. Yeah. Okay. And, and then all, when, once you get to that, then what do you do? Th- then uh, through all this, we were able to see, okay, these are the exact slow uh, c- uh, code. Uh, this is the exact slow code. And we're also profi- we also profiled CPU to look for any blocking code because we're using Twisted, which is uh, an async library for Python. Okay. And uh, so there was no blocking code. And the distributed tracing library, we were also able to use for that to just see, like, okay, it, how long is this computational thing taking? And uh, it would usually be nothing compared to the I.O. And so when you, when you find out that, Mongo, that your DB reads are, are what's causing the slowdown, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you do? Because you can't really, I mean, how can you make the database return a data set In faster? In some cases, we just excise the query entirely. Uh, if we're like, oh, we already have this data somewhere else. <sighs> oh. Or uh, in in certain cases, we were just okay. Let's add uh, new cache that new in- that, indexes. No, not even that. Just like uh, this is the problem with using re- relational data in Mongo. You might have it somewhere else, and you just don't know it. Well, that's why I don't necessarily enjoy using Mongo so much. But it's easy to get off the ground with it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um. So you have so you found out the slow queries. You found out the services that were causing the slow queries. You rerouted the things that were originally contacting the database to come from other data sources that were more performant mm-hmm. and then did you actually does that actually fix the problem or does, it, does that just kind of make it better that 
made it better. There's still certain situations like uh, in my talk is like, hey, if given more time, we would have moved these to uh, a better database. So then the solution is getting out of Mongo. Yes. Okay. Ult- that's ultimately. what I was wondering. I was like, once you get U- to the- ultimately, that that is the answer to everything. Right. Because no, it's <laughs> like, once uh, you- and no matter what the, what the question is in tech, leave Mongo as the answer. Well, I'm glad. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, I'm, I never and I've, I never got into it too much outside of the stuff that we were dealing with. Um, it's great for that. Hey, we need something really quick. But the fact that you can't do like like what you just said, you might have the data existing somewhere else in the database, but you can't find it because it just returns whole records at a time. It doesn't allow you to relate the data that way. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I mean, it did have its cachet. It is very cool in the startup world. Um, okay, and so you just essentially chipped away at the issue and made it good enough. Yep. Great. And uh, that was the whole talk. Uh, yeah, an abbreviated version of it. I went into a lot more detail of what eBPF was and how uh, Go's memory works. I mean, and... you can talk about that if you want. Uh, well, I gave a decent overview of eBPF, but the, uh, uh, part of like the whole memory leak one, I went into how Go's heap works. It actually implements... Go's heap? Go's heap. Go's Go, heap. Golang's heap. Golang's heap. Okay, how does that work? And, As compared to like another... So Go doesn't just use calloc or malloc, which was an interesting thing that eBPF taught me. Caliper, malloc. What is calloc or malloc? Oh, okay. What's calloc? Calloc uh, is What's C. The uh, C. Uh, I think it's call allocation. Oh, and then uh, so what that does is it allocates a bunch of blocks as a particular type, just with a uh, zeroed value. Okay, which is kind of how Go works, except Go also has a thread cache. Where which, would you use calloc instead of something like malloc? If you want a, a zeroed value of a particular type, and so if you want like an array of something where everything's zero. You can do that? If So if you need to allocate a struct to a heap is a good reason. Okay. And you just want to have default values of zero and everything. Okay. That makes sense. And that's kind of, so Go kind of does that part. And then in addition to that, it has a thread cache, which is known as TC malloc is the algorithm. Huh. Where you have small objects are always allocated to the cache. And uh, unless they exist longer than the thread lives, at which point then it's moved to the central heap, which the central heap is the central source of truth. But then like, you have all large objects are allocated to the central heap. So that's like anything over 26 bytes. How did, That sounds quite arbitrary. That's not even a factor of eight. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's just, they just pull that number out of the sky. Oh. Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. I don't know. Is there like some parity checking in there or something for the 26? I think like, it's padding. Padding? Uh, like a padding rule. that for what? Uh, Like if you have uh, various types, it's less likely... To fall on, over or uh, that uh, based on if you have to pad for things because you do need to have multiples of I think it's either four or eight for uh, the structs. Okay, themselves. well, twenty six is not is yeah, not a four or no, eight. No, it's not. I, I so don't. No. Okay, it's not a power of two. It's not a you mm-hmm. know. It's it's two times a prime num- prime number. Yeah. That's not doing anything for you. Yep. So I'm also a prime number <laughs> thirty one. <laughs> anyway, and I've been coding since I was another prime number thirteen. Nice. Yes, I'm no. Congrats. No, I'm doing this for too long. I'm too old for this ship. Anyway, but um, okay. Yeah. So go on. And then so uh, it, and once the thread dies, if it still has stuff allocated to its thread cache that wasn't in the central heap, it goes into the central heap. But uh, basically, this is a way you have uh, fa- uh, it's faster allocation. You don't have to go across the uh, uh, you don't have to go across thread memory to be able to access certain objects unless you absolutely need to, which. Because accessing thread memory is slower? Uh, accessing another thread's memory or centralized memory is a lot slower than going to your local thread memory. And when you say slower, we're talking about like nanoseconds, but that multiplies a, yeah, you need a million some kind of, times over. You need over. some kind of synchronization there. 
which sure. this is also lends itself well to Go's concurrency model of channels where you're passing uh, objects from one thread to another instead of having them try to all access it through a lock. Mm. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. How long was your talk? Uh, I kind of rushed through it, so it ended up being uh, 26 minutes. Did you have proper pacing? And you, or was I, it just I, I kind paced of myself like, pretty well. Did I, you say so a lot? So right? You know, no, not really. No? Um, it's very good. Yeah. Very uh, good. I was told it uh, went really well. I just... I kind of skipped over some of the ebpf details by sure. accident and i think that's what cut off and now what uh, about your, your mentors your your open source gurus in the crowd that were watching you yeah they sat, sat through the entire duration of it so. and did they have scowls on their faces or no they uh relatively neutral expressions okay yeah. uh i i mean look it, it warms my heart i can't believe i i can't believe that i we're gonna i knew you when you were just a little boy on long island Aww. And now you're tying it to a superstar. Oh, well, so cute. Just 500 people, not like just whole... 500 people. We don't even have 500 people listening to our show. <clears throat> anyway, I'm sure you got a wonderful audience reaction after your talk. I had claps, and then I asked if there was any questions. There was silence, and then I got off stage, and then there was a line of people trying to ask me questions. Which I'm sure like, those questions. Why were you doing this ask? during the actual talk? Well, I'm sure those questions would have been hard to ask. But what were some of the questions that you got? Uh, so was I using the distributed tracing in production? Which yes, and <laughs> I like the way you said yes. But I mean, and what happens if you? Because it's just that's not really writing anything. So distributed tracing it just slows things down even more. Not, not really. Well. I mean, because it's async, it didn't slow it down that badly. So why were they asking that then? It's just because it's bad form, technically? No, it's not. It's just more uh, observability that I think a lot of uh, these more slower-to-move enterprises are like, it's a new thing. I don't know if I should put a new thing in production. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there is that. Uh, somebody was asking me, was this all in containers? Which, yes. Of course. And uh, somebody, uh, I got a few more junior guys who I regret skipping over the eBPF details because there were a lot of people like, so what's eBPF? You, like, you should hand them a business card with a QR code that goes to lgtmfy.com slash eBPF <laughs> for more information. But for information, just take one of these cards. <laughs> so... Uh, what else? Anything else? Uh, that's like the gist of my talk. And, uh, right? Yeah. Well, you can find the gist of Christian's talk at gist.github.com. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the slides are up on O'Reilly something or other. Good. Yeah. And uh, does that mean... Uh, O'Reilly, does that mean that they're going to... You've got you got something going with O'Reilly? Maybe. We'll see. How did that happen? Did they like? Did they were they waiting online after you talked? Uh, they s and they said, "Let's put this on wax." They seeked uh, me out uh, just before the conference, being like, "Hey, can we do lunch one of these days wow. at the conference?" Where'd you go for lunch? Uh, we just went uh, around the corner to this really good taco place. I don't remember Tacos. the name of it. Jesus. Oh, now I do remember. It was Taco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because there's a million effing taco places. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> Even here in Bushwick. Yeah. So, that's funny. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, we put Tyler to bed. It's a great Aww. bedtime story. <laughs> all right, guys. Go to sleep and good night. I told you I'm tired. We ran a super late show. We went I know. Super look, long. look yeah. like I said, I am honestly, I'm glad that you guys lasted this long, that you actually, we did a late show. Uh, no, it was Father's Day. And it was Father's Day? 
His Faja. Faja. <laughs> I did actually not talk to my Faja, even though I called him like five times. He didn't pick up. Yeah. I'm his favorite Fox son. News. <laughs> <laughs> it is so Sunday. I find that my youngest brother watches Fox News. Wow. Yeah. Your youngest brother has a television? What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that generation doesn't watch TV. Yeah, what is he doing watching TV? Let alone Fox no, News. Apparently, uh, generation. Apparently, Generation Z is super conservative. Your brother? How? What? How old is he? He is nineteen. So he was born in ninety nine. Yeah, he is a Gen Z. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, is that what you say? Do you go home every time with your middle fingers? I'm like, oh, ah, I, I, I'm like, ha! <laughs> I got the last slim sliver of goodness before we fall off the Guess edge. Guess who's going to get $2 in Social Security and has two thumbs? <laughs> this guy. My Social Security was this uh, uh, tax refund for literally $1 that I got on a U.S. <laughs> printed check from the Treasury, and I framed it. And that's the nicest check I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, <clears throat> that brings us to the end of yet another Polar Quest. We've done 60 our 60th show. Oh, yeah. man. And they make me feel 60. Only 540 more to go. Yeah. So. It's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian, do you approve of this week's Polar Quest? Looks good I to me. I hope you do, since it was mostly yours. Yeah. Tyler, how about you? I do. And our wonderful studio audience, yes. <laughs> of course. Well, and let's all hit merge. And we'll see you next week, right here on Polar Quest. This has been a Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium, LLC, or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Volpeg. Visit them at VULFPECK.com.